2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, July 25th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart, the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Mayor Lightfoot reportedly has three plans involving Soldier Field. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, it's a big week for the markets, which will be reacting to word from the Fed, plus closely watched economic data. We're joined by Bob Brusca, Chief Economist. Fact and Opinion Economics coming up based in new york bob thanks for joining us today coming up this week it seems like all of the uh, data points that we are going to learn between now and friday will try to paint a more clearer picture and answer the question are we indeed heading for or are in a recession because right now the numbers we have uh you can argue both sides of that
1: yeah well it's going to be that way for a while i think Uh, there is a gdp report out this week and since we had a decline in the first quarter. Some people are waiting for this, and if it turns out negative, they're going to declare it a recession. But, um, you know, I'll just remind you that uh, this this rule of thumb that says two consecutive quarters of negative growth is only a rule of thumb. It's not embraced by most economists. People will call it a technical recession, but if you think that counting the two is technical, well, I got some swampland in Florida you're going to love.
2: Uh, because yeah, really, when it comes when it comes to to, to uh, a, a recession, a a genuine recession, the NBER has to uh, actually say it exists, and they look at a whole lot of information, just as you said, outside of whether or not the the GDP contracted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jenny Janet Yellen was on TV this weekend, and she made the good case for it. She talked about how you know the data aren't anywhere near as as weak as it would need to be for the recession dating committee to call this a recession. It's also true that by the time they declare it a recession, we're well past the start date. So, you know, the NBER is not overly fast to either call recessions uh, in play or over. So um, we're going to continue to have this back and forth about what you think the economy is in, but I think it's in a funk and uh, whether it's a recession or not, we'll wait to see. And I think it's going to stay in a funk and I think it's getting weaker.
2: And then uh, all eyes are going to be on Wednesday. That's when uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell holds his news conference. Uh, we will learn more about a uh, you know how many basis points this next uh, interest rate hike will be and whether or not the aggressive posture will continue for the rest of this year.
1: Yeah, well, they might give us less guidance this time around. Um, and it is possible I think they could do 100. And I think the main argument for doing 100 is that You know, we are in an election year, and very often, as we get close to the elections, the Fed likes to pause in its rate hiking. And if the Fed gives us a 100 basis point hike, it'll be in a position to slow down and still in some sense be on schedule for a high funds rate by the end of the year. But if the Fed doesn't give us 100, if it gives us 75, then the Fed will be more hard-pressed to slow down as we go into the elections later this year. So that that could become a factor uh, in the Fed making its decision.
2: And that uh, first release of the second quarter gross domestic product uh, comes out on Thursday, and then Friday we'll get another read on inflation, and uh, we'll find out whether or not these uh, the the gas price uh, the decrease in gas prices will uh, take some pressure off of uh, take some inflationary inflationary pressure out of the economy.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Fed has got us looking for now at the headline inflation rate because that's what everybody's looking at. Uh, you're also going to want to keep an eye on the core and to see how much that's affected, but right now it's the headline that that is in the spotlight. Uh, we're also going to look at that uh, University of Michigan report late in the week that's going to have consumer sentiment firmed up and also uh, a look at inflation expectations. So we do have a lot of interesting numbers to watch for this week and uh, you know, nothing is really going to settle this issue on recession quickly, but uh, there's a lot of numbers, and, and you're going to, have to continue to watch all of them.
2: Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Mayor Lightfoot is reportedly considering three scenarios for the future of Soldier Field. Let's get the latest now from Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I cannot help but think of the plot from the Simpsons movie when they put the dome over the town of Springfield. Uh, when looking at some of the uh, proposals for uh, making Soldier Field uh, more Uh, appealing to the bears as they mull a move to arlington heights uh does this thing have a shot at actually uh, keeping the bears in chicago or would it be the dollars and cents of uh, just building a new stadium in arlington heights
3: well that's a good question i wish i could give you a, a, a simple answer um Uh, There's some reason to think this is just a uh, political stunt in in the sense that here's the mayor running for re-election, wants to make it look like she's fighting for a football team. Uh, But uh, uh, the Bears are a family-owned business. Uh, They don't have a lot of debt. Uh, They want to keep ownership in the family, whether they're willing to spend the kind of money they need to to really go out to Arlington Heights is, is we don't know, uh, so we'll find out. Um, we'll get a little better idea a little later this afternoon. The mayor has a press conference uh, scheduled, uh, which she's uh, expected to announce three kinds of things. One would be uh, what do we do if the, if if with Soldier Field if if the Bears don't want to stay? Well, maybe we renovate it uh, and make it more desirable for other events, including the Chicago Fire, which plays there. And option two, I'm told, is is that the is that we really uh, uh, do a lot of work inside the, the place, but we don't do no. a and dome. Then, and then option three is the dome, and of course that's the that's the budget buster. It it catches eyes, and it would uh, put Chicago potentially in line for a Super Bowl or a NCAA men's basketball Final Four. Uh, but uh, the question is how you pay for it. So I don't know. But the mayor's going to run it up the flagpole? She would certainly not the first uh, mayor of this town to try it. Uh, so if I could make another uh, special, another uh, uh, um, cartoon illusion, maybe it's like uh, like Lucy holding the football out and pulling it right away. He <laughs> prepares to kick it. We don't know if it's going to work or not, but we'll
2: see. I mean, as far as the Bears Arlington Heights land is concerned, I mean, it seems like that is That is the ultimate trump card uh, for the team because they own the land, uh, they will own the stadium, and then they could also make money off of whatever they put on the Arlington Park land outside of the football stadium because that's an awful lot of land, and a football stadium is a very small part of that, so they could make all sorts of money from a football stadium village that they can't do downtown.
3: Uh, there is uh, probably no question about that, Rob. Um, uh, that's why that's why they're uh, they're they're uh, looking. But you're dealing with a, with a family in the Casses that's never been known for rolling the dice in a big way like this would require uh, uh, to come up with the money to do what you're talking about in Arlington Heights. Not only do they need approval from the folks in Arlington Heights and the village and then the people who live there, uh, but they would have to either go into debt borrow maybe $2 billion. That's not the kind of thing that the McCaskey houses are known for. Or they're going to have to dilute ownership. They're going to have to bring in other equity partners uh, and, and, uh, and reduce the family control. Do they really want to do that if, if there's a reasonable option that's a, that seems to be available to them on the lakefront? Now, whether what the mayor is going to do is a reasonable option or not, we're going to find out. And we're going to probably debate it quite a bit. But uh, I don't think, I think it is likely that the Bears are gone. But I don't think it's a done deal yet.
2: Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, the NFL gets into the streaming game.
5: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12. Twelve precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional terms apply
2: discussing the news affecting your money the wbbm noon business hour continues the national football league is launching its own streaming service called nfl plus let's get the details from tim hanlon founder and ceo of the verterra group based in chicago tim thanks for joining us today uh NFL Plus, it's launched. The uh, price is four ninety nine per month. Uh, what do you get uh, with NFL Plus that you did not get uh, with the traditional NFL broadcast partners?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, Rob. It's uh, it's indicative of how confusing things are getting uh, now, even for the NFL. Um, what it is is the what was formerly available uh, through Verizon and Yahoo. Uh, which was these things called, if you will, mobile rights, um, which the NFL was finding uh, is, was not going to be renewed uh, by either Verizon or Yahoo or anybody else, for that matter, at a price that they felt it was uh, warranted. What that basically means is that through the basic subscription of $4.99 a month for NFL+, Plus, you will get uh, streaming, excuse me, not streaming, well, mobile and uh, digital access to in-market uh, broadcast games. So if you're uh, wanting to watch a Bears game that's ostensibly on Channel 32, WFLD, uh, you cannot watch that game outside of your house. Now you can with this subscription via your mobile device or your tablet. Um, it also gives you uh, unfettered access via mobile or tablet to every uh, NFL preseason game, that's including the Bears, and that you want to watch regardless of whether you're in the market or out of the market. So uh, on its face, basically, it's a way for you to uh, access uh, local games in your market, You Bears games for sure, or whatever the other game is being broadcast in the market of Chicago, in this case, uh, via your mobile device or your tablet, as well as preseason games now from all teams, as well as audio, by the way, from all the teams, from all the games. And it's an incremental... Uh, Access point for a little bit more uh, game coverage as you might like it.
2: Is this uh, merely a stalking horse for a couple of years from now when uh, the traditional uh, rights fees with uh, ESPN, NBC, CBS, and Fox uh, all come up that uh, the app could become the home to the NFL? Or does the league just enjoy those giant billion dollar checks for Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, Sundays, and the like?
0: No, it's an absolute great question. And I think it really, uh, if you look at it a little bit longer term, this absolutely is or can be considered to be uh, a strategic chip on that table uh, of negotiation and rights. Um, not unlike the launch of the NFL Network cable channel almost 20 years ago now. Uh, this is kind of the beginnings of trying to have a baseline offering of digital streaming or mobile uh, available assets. That could uh, enable a little bit more leverage for the NFL, not like they don't have leverage already, but to be able to flex their muscles, shall we say, and put things more directly into a more direct-to-consumer offering uh, that encompasses digital and streaming. Um, This is sort of an incremental step in that general direction
2: if and when they absolutely need to. And football fans are more than willing to kick over $5 a month uh, to the league to get more football content, because when uh, I worked up in Milwaukee at the uh, Packers flagship, the joke was the Packers rule was the Packers rule. And uh, that was 20 years ago. And it sounds like a fan. The fan appetite for the NFL is not abated. In fact, it's gotten even more hungry.
0: No, I think that's absolutely true. And and the reality is that the NFL is propping up the broadcast television industry right now, for sure. And this is also slicing into that, too. So make no mistake, television networks and broadcasters, they recognize when the NFL sneezes, uh, they're going to catch a cold. And frankly, this is kind of a prescription, I think, that the NFL is writing for itself ahead of uh, anybody getting sick.
2: Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A special legislative session in Indiana revolves around the future of abortion in the state. Police are investigating public shootings in Texas and Canada today. Some companies that saw their stocks' shares soar during the pandemic are coming down to earth, including a suburban-based maker of grills. And on this Stock Picker Monday, we'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is up 78 points. The NASDAQ is down 44. And the S&P 500 up 5. AccuWeather says sunshine today. Mixing with clouds, a nice day, lower humidity, and a high of 77. Right now we have 75 degrees under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, Vice President Kamala Harris in Indianapolis today to meet with state lawmakers and other leaders for discussions on reproductive rights. Lawmakers are considering a Republican proposal that would put a near-total ban on abortions. CBS 2 talked to Caitlin Sears about the potential changes to abortion laws in Indiana.
4: Rights like abortions to be taken away. It, it's, it's, it's a human right, and abortion is health care. It shouldn't be taken away from people.
2: If approved by senators, it would then head to the state house. Police in British Columbia are reporting multiple shootings of homeless people in a suburb of Vancouver, and they say a suspect is in custody the Royal Canadian Mounted Police say most of the gunfire was in the city of Langley. At least one victim has died. Meantime, police in Dallas say a woman fired shots inside the Dallas Love Field Airport today. That's a major hub for Southwest Airlines before an officer shot and wounded her. Reports of a possible shooter flooded social media as some sections of the airport were evacuated. There's no word of any other injuries beside those to the shooter. It's 12.32 as the Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. It seems like this is a week in which uh, the the market movers will be the equivalent of either uh, swimming with a safe on your back or uh, jumping off of a a diving board with a booster rocket attached to you. Uh, Which one do you think uh, the market... Markets will choose.
6: Those are interesting analogies. I think we've got a lot going on this week. We've got the Fed meeting on Wednesday, and I think the most important part of that is not whether they raise rates by 75 basis points or 100, but it'll be the press conference that comes afterward. And what does the Fed, Jay Powell, have to say about the future of interest rate hikes? Uh, likely the next one in September. Then the other part is we have all the big stocks reporting. We've got Apple, Google, Amazon – So you have about half of the market cap of the S&P 500 that will be reporting earnings this week. So there is a lot going on, and I anticipate that investors will be kind of tired come Friday.
2: And the big question for uh, the big tech companies, Meta, Google, I should say Alphabet, and Apple, is uh, just how the changes to the ad business and ad tracking software, how that's going to impact their bottom line, because the uh, companies that have reported so far uh, have been damaged and in some cases, like in the case of Snapchat, uh, rather substantially...
6: That's right. I mean, you got advertising and then as well as just consumer spending in general. We don't get retail information until two, three weeks later when we hear from Walmart and Target and so on. So it'll give us a little bit of a hint as far as what consumers are doing. Uh, so far, the consumer sentiment numbers have been less than spectacular, but we like to take a look at what consumers are actually doing and spending. And those numbers have softened up here a little bit, too, and that gives – Part of the reason why the Fed is kind of in a in a tough spot here with a softening economy, very good employment report, but still inflation that's running a lot higher than most would feel comfortable with.
2: It seems almost uh, you, you want to almost switch up the schedule in terms of uh, when the Fed uh, holds their news conference and then when we get the next gauge of inflation on Friday morning. It's almost like you should wait for the inflation first, then do the Fed news conference because you have a better idea of what you're dealing with. Uh, there will be no real surprises, as you mentioned, as far as the, uh, the, the, the height or the degree of the interest rate hike. Everyone's kind of looking for that uh, three-quarters of percentage point to a percentage point increase, Um, what are some potential surprises, market moving surprises uh, that could come out in the news conference?
6: I think one of the things that Wall Street's going to be very focused on is, and Powell has had these press conferences where he kind of comes off a little dovish, meaning that maybe the interest rate hike in September will be the last one. Uh, Maybe 50 basis points is not necessarily Um, written in stone, uh, so that those types of comments about maybe we're pretty well done with the shock and awe of 75 75, uh, basis point increases here, and the Fed may step aside, especially ahead of the midterm election, may give Wall Street reason to start buying stocks.
2: Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager with Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, some stock darlings of the pandemic are losing their luster. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Some of the hottest stocks of the pandemic have significantly cooled, including Palatine-based Weber Grills. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. This this always struck me as being colossally unfair. Uh, there were some businesses that were uniquely positioned, just happened to be in the right place at the right time when this once-in-a-century pandemic came crawling along in March of 2020. Zoom, peloton weber uh we were all in our homes we all needed something to do we all needed some way to communicate with each other and these businesses just happened to be there and then vaccines were introduced and what was approaching normal life returned and now they get punished for that um does that seem right to you oh
7: that's that's the wall street way i know it's it's
2: a hard old world
7: (laughs) the uh you know, Wall Street's continually looking forward, and you know when it looks forward for a lot of those companies, it has trouble discerning future growth because you know, a lot of that growth was was pulled forward by the pandemic, and and you know, Weber's experiencing those problems now. Another stock in the the, the grilling area, Traeger, which came out about a year ago, is uh, with the the stock symbol Apropos Cook C O O K its stock has gotten cooked. It's down from about 32 to $3. And you go down the line and, and, you know, the biggest issue for those companies is that, you know, they pulled a lot of demand early and and now what does the future hold from a growth standpoint? And the stocks are paying for it right now because the growth doesn't look like it's going to be there in the near term.
2: And uh, Weber, you know, everybody's familiar with it. They have the uh, old-fashioned kettle grills uh, all the way up to the very complex smokers. Uh, Traeger, you have probably see them in Costco. You put the wood pellets into the smoking box and it regulates the temperature for you. So if you wanted to get into cooking as a hobby uh, in the summer of 2020, they were there for you. And uh, as you point out, you know, a a grill is a once in a decade Kind of purchase. It's not something you get uh, once a year, unless you're uh, a prodigious cook.
7: Well, it is, and and the other thing that happens now is is people start to kind of consider perhaps an economic slowdown, you know, maybe a recession. And what you see in those types of environments is people start trading down, and Weber and Traeger, you know, they're they're not cheap, and uh, you know their costs have gone up because their input costs have gone up as well, and so you see this trade down concept where somebody goes, well, you know what? uh, that Weber is pretty pricey. I think I'm going to buy something that's a bit cheaper, and and that's those are trends that are working against uh, against those kind of premium brands as well.
2: It's interesting that uh, Peloton and Zoom are both getting uh, dinged as well uh, as we kind of venture from the pandemic to an endemic existence uh, with vaccines, because uh, both of both names um, have. Kind of turned into Kleenex or Xerox. Uh, they are names that are synonymous with the uh, thing that they do, and that uh, you know, Peloton and Zoom uh, may not be around, but the technology they ushered in uh, will certainly uh, exist for quite a long time.
7: It, it will, and and you know, and, and probably you you would kind of start it off this conversation in terms of an unfairness. You know Zoom is probably the one that's the most interesting to me from the standpoint of a company that yes, is being penalized because it was a pandemic play, but something where that technology, especially as you still have a a significant workforce either doing hybrid or remote that that is going to be in demand so that is the one I think there is there there you know peloton is is probably going to continue to struggle i mean that stock's gone from one twenty three to nine and unless Optimistic about that company, but but I think if somebody is looking, you know, through the landscape and they they want to play something that's just gotten beaten up that was a pre-pandemic play, you know, Zoom has is an interesting stock to I me. Mean, it's down from over four hundred dollars a share now, trading at about one hundred and six. So you're certainly not buying it at the top at this point.
2: At the same time, it is uh, that is the technology uh, that is uh, doing a number on uh, central business districts from coast to coast
7: exactly and and again it is something where if you if you believe this this idea of you know either hybrid work or remote work is is going to have legs you know that is a stock that uh, you know should do okay over the long term i mean you know the, and the company is making money pretty good money actually which is uh, you know and their earnings probably will increase Uh, when they get to fiscal 2024. So there is some growth on the horizon here as earnings comparisons get a bit easier. So there are some things pointing to that one being perhaps a reasonable way to play this, this sector.
2: Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Thanks for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come our Monday stock picker, compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. And it's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Matt Mategan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers, based in Chicago. You can find him online at blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. And uh, your two selections for the week uh, come from the tech space. What's your first one?
4: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, the first one is PATH, P-A-T-H. That's the symbol for UI Path out of New York, this is another speculative yet stable disruptive tech play near its 52-week low. It kind of the oversimplified description is that they provide automation through software and robots across several major industries, and they're evolving quickly. At this point, we're kind of used to seeing robots assemble cars and do welding and stuff like that, uh, but the process continuity provided here extends to robots opening apps, coordinating intra-department processes, pulling information, filing forms, moving files, accounting automation, just to name a few. We see this kind of tech becoming more and more in demand as the way people work continues to change. So with the current pricing, we see it as a good time to go along.
2: And uh, you could imagine a future in which uh, robots are planning the Christmas party and uh, organizing the NCAA tournament pool.
4: Uh yeah and as a matter of fact you you just hit on some of the things that they that they're looking into.
2: Well and then your next one uh, comes from a a space that's uh, been beaten up uh, quite a bit over the last uh, couple of months.
4: Yeah that's correct. Uh, this next one's kind of a mouthful. Amplify Transformational Data Sharing ETF it trades under the symbol BLOK. Crypto, like you said, it's been smacked around pretty hard this year. And lately, there's been a little rebound, but we still see a lot of blue sky for it ahead. But picking the winners out of this space from what is a a vast field is pretty challenging. So consistent with our discussion last week about the power of ETFs, we're looking at several crypto ETFs. Now, when I say crypto, I'm doing the air quotes. Because unlike other commodity ETFs, we're not actually investing in the future prices of the currencies themselves. These ETFs are constructed from a broad mix of companies that are related to blockchain technologies in some regard. Now, that might be trading platforms like Coinbase. It could be online retailers that accept crypto for payment, uh, all the way down to crypto mining companies and, and a whole lot more. I used Block as an example today because it's on the higher volume side, uh, but I do want everybody to know there are several of these out there worth looking at with a broad mix of companies and really a wide range of expense ratios. So. Do a little homework, get together with your advisor, and see what fits in your portfolio best.
2: Matt Mattegan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers, based in Chicago. Check him out online, blueworldam.com. The stocks, UiPath, the symbol, P-A-T-H, and then the Amplified Transformational Data Sharing ETF Exchange Traded Fund, the symbol, B-L-O-K